we're so used to seeing things that, in my opinion, aren't quite right in our treatment of animals. You know, the less we eat, the less violence is being done, and the less destruction to the environment. Everyone eats, and everyone has to make a moral decision every time that we sit down to the table. Welcome to the Animal Voices Radio Show, Western Canada's only radio program on animal advocacy and compassionate living. This is 100.5 FM Co-op Radio CFRO on unceded Coast Salish territories in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Today is Friday, September the 11th. I am your host, Alison Cole, and I'm joined here today by our co-host, Grace Wampold. Hi. Welcome to the show. Last week, the walls came tumbling down in our unsuspecting and trusting world when it was announced that pop celebrity Miley Cyrus, who has been vegan for the past seven years, is no longer vegan. This was shocking to me because I truly believed in Miley. She did it for the animals and she had stuck through with it until now. Miley has said that her brain wasn't properly functioning, so she had to go back to eating fish to get her omega-3 oils. For our first segment today, we will have a discussion on when celebrities give up their veganism, and we'll have nutrition expert Dr. Matthew Nagra on the show, who has a message for Miley on this serious issue. Also, last Thursday, September the 3rd, was the much-anticipated first court date of what has been known as the Abbotsford Pig Trial, stemming from the Meet the Victims Canada action in April 2019 that saw 200 animal advocates come to the Excelsior Hog Farm in Abbotsford, BC, where 60 crossed the property line armed with cameras and video streaming to show to the world the realities and the horrors that regularly regularly occur behind the closed doors of a typical factory farm. Of the 48 animal activists arrested that day for trespass, only Amy Serrano was charged. And just last month, it was announced that three additional activists, Nick Schaefer, Roy Sassano, and Jeffrey Gear, were also being criminally charged, altogether with a total of 21 offenses. In the meantime, the BCSPCA has done nothing to seek justice for the tortured animals at that farm, and the farm owners remain free to continue the both legal and illegal violence, extreme cruelty towards their thousands of animals. Today we have a feature interview with defendant Amy Serrano to speak about some of the complicated and previously glossed over events over the past year and a half in this to-be-precedent-setting case to speak up for the animals. Grace, what are your thoughts on the happenings of just like it's been 18 months since this all started? Yeah, I mean, I find it very interesting that the SPCA, one of their main statements is that they can't use the footage that these activists found. And it's confusing to me because it's not as if this evidence was doctored. It's not as if this wasn't actually happening at Excelsior. And it's quite separate from the trial going on. So I know there was a protest at the SPCA. Mm -hmm. 
It was more like a, just a rally of supporters because we just had so many people who wanted to come out. So because of COVID, 50 came out to the courthouse where I was and 50 went to the BCSPCA in Abbotsford basically to send a message to the SPCA to say, look, you need to do your job. And the BCSPCA is the only organization that has the authority to actually have charges pressed against people who are abusing animals and committing what the SPCA has admitted is criminal violence towards these animals. So what I find interesting is that they say that they were really shocked and disturbed to see these images that were presented to them, but they also don't condone illegal acts which they were referring to the animal activists who put up the undercover video doing the job that the SPCA won't do. Yeah, they don't condone what's in the video, but their advocacy roles are separate. So, I mean, I think that's a fair point for an organization to make because the SPCA is so large, but it's it's also disappointing. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact is, is that if anyone should be investigating farms like this, it should be the BCSPCA because they have the ability and the authority to do an undercover investigation and to take video that wouldn't be deemed admissible in court because it was taken without permission. So I actually just found out via a comment on Facebook that the only way that this kind of undercover video would be admissible is if it's taken from the inside, which means that you'd have to have an undercover worker there working for months, which could be very dangerous to that person, cost a lot of money. And as someone just mentioned on Facebook, they said that, yeah, and if you get caught, there's no escape. Yeah, I mean, that relates to the to Bill 156 because mm-hmm. it is becoming illegal to even work undercover. Or even take images like that when you're working legitimately at a farm. So we'll be covering that later on the show. That's also an interesting development. So headlines were made last week when pop celebrity Miley Cyrus announced on the Joe Rogan podcast that she is no longer vegan. She said that her brain wasn't functioning properly, so she had to start eating fish and reintroduce omegas into her diet. I was really shocked uh, to hear this myself. As I just mentioned before, I believed in Miley, especially because it was actually for a special fish in her life, a blowfish that was her companion, who she had made this lifestyle change for out of compassion, compassion for the animals. And now... She just starts eating fish again because mm, I guess if you're a vegan, there's no other way to get your omega-3s. I'm not sure about that. What are your thoughts, Grace? Yeah, it's just so disappointing. And it's really hard to understand why someone would deliberately have this narrative of caring about fishes and then also admit like, yeah, the first thing that I had when I decided not to be vegan was a fish because it's just completely not backed anything. It made me really kind of worried to hear her talk about how she was experimenting with different diets when veganism is a philosophy. It's not about what you're eating. It's about the concept of personhood. So if someone's not feeling amazing, there's many different ways to change your diet while maintaining a vegan diet. Yeah, a lot of people online are saying, does she not have the ability to Google search omega-3 sources, which by the way, come from algae that the fish are eating the fish is the middle person 
in getting that nutrition. And as vegans, we also know that there is other ways to get your omega-3s. One tablespoon of flaxseed is all you need per day in your smoothie, actually, to get your adequate omega-3 fatty acids. You don't have to eat fish. It's, it's quite ridiculous. So I was lucky enough to bump into our friend and nutrition expert, Dr. Matthew Nagra last week, and I asked him, because I know he knows everything about this stuff, I asked him for his professional commentary to explain more in-depthly about Miley's situation where she said she was experiencing a non-functioning brain, supposedly due to a lack of fish in her diet. I also asked him to please relay a message to Miley herself. So I took a video. The video is posted on our social media and we have sent it to Miley for her consideration. And here is the audio clip of Dr. Matthew Nagra's explanation and response to Miley Cyrus. Apologies for the noise in the background. We were outside and there was a lot of construction going on. For starters, if you watch the full interview, she actually talks about some head trauma she'd experienced when she was younger and potentially leading to difficulties with cognitive function, with memory and certain aspects around that. And she also talks at length about her past drug use and it goes beyond just alcohol and marijuana into heavier drugs as well, um, which she has since stopped. So due to these sort of brain fog, uh, cognitive issues that she was having, she believed that she was low in omega-3 fatty acids, which is why she started eating fish and supposedly feels better. Around the same time is when she got sober and actually quit using recreational drugs as well. So how do we know it's just the diet or, or that? We don't. We, we can't. That's why we don't look at anecdotes with one person to come to the conclusions as far as the nutrition science goes. We conduct very large prospective cohort trials or randomized control trials where we can actually control for these different variables. And actually, when we look at these omega-3 fats, we have studies just like that where you actually supplement people with these long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, specifically DHA, which is good for brain health. And we find that specifically in older populations or those with memory impairment that they actually do see some improvement but again you don't need to eat fish to get those even if that is the case you can get it from an algae based source they're plentiful nowadays they're all over the place you can get them at whole foods choices market wherever and they're sourced from algae they're free of contaminants and they are biologically equivalent to what you would get from fish and they've been compared against salmon oils actually to get specific so there's really no reason for someone to go back to fish if the claim is the low omega-3 fats. But as I mentioned earlier, we don't even know that that's the case. We have no reason to believe that based on her single anecdote. But if it was, well, then there's something you can do about it while still remaining cruelty-free. Well, I would say it would be great for her with all her resources to have to speak to a dietitian. Yeah, and that's the other thing I noticed. There was no mention with her fatigue, with her mental fatigue, of actually seeking medical care. There was zero mention of that in the whole interview. It sounds like she was getting information from probably friends, family, or others where they're sending messages. And that's another thing that can happen is as a vegan, you can get so much of this misinformation saying that you're going to be deficient, you can't get all the nutrition you need, that you can actually start to believe it. And that's called the nocebo effect and everyone's heard of the placebo effect well the nocebo effect is where you believe something's harmful and it starts to have negative impact and again this is why we conduct research to actually figure out 
placebo versus actual effect, or in this case, nocebo versus actual effect. So you're 100% you're spot on there. So I'm going to pass this on to Miley Cyrus herself. What's your message for her, Dr. Nagra? I would say seek out a healthcare provider, figure out what's going on. You can get all sorts of testing done. If you are concerned about omega-3s, you can run an omega-3 score, or in the States, I believe it's called the omega-3 index, where you can actually test your blood levels of these different fatty acids. There is no need to resort to fish consumption or animal consumption for those. We have algae-based sources, we have plant sources, and as someone who was previously such an advocate for animal rights, we will gladly welcome you back into the group. Thank you, Matthew. I will send that on and I'll let you know if she responds. Please do. The Downtown Eastside Women's Center has been helping self-identified women and their children for decades, but today, the DEWC needs your help. Due to the COVID-19 crisis, the center has had to cancel its annual in-person fundraisers, depriving the center of crucial financial resources. Services such as hot meals, clothing, showers, and secure mailboxes are now in jeopardy. To find out how you can help the Downtown Eastside Women's Center, please visit their website at dewc.ca. That's dewc.ca. Question authority. Demand accountability. The job of the journalist is more important than ever. Democracy depends on a free press and reliable, trustworthy reporting is at a premium. Speaking up for those who have long been silenced is what journalists do every day. At Langara, journalism students hit the ground running, reporting on issues in their communities right away, wherever they are around the world. This fall semester, instructions will be entirely online. That means students will be reporting on the issues that matter in the communities where they live, wherever you are, whatever your beliefs. Journalism has always been telling the stories that demand to be heard. We welcome your voice in the chorus for a change. Langara.ca forward slash journalism. Our feature interview today is with Kelowna-based animal liberationist Amy Serrano. Amy is one of four BC animal advocates who have been charged with a combined total of 21 indictable offenses for their roles in exposing abhorrent animal cruelty at the Excelsior Hog Farm in Abbotsford, BC last year. You may remember the Meet the Victims action on April 28, 2019, which We at Animal Voices covered extensively. This was a secretly organized event where 200 animal advocates gathered at sunrise at the Excelsior Hog Farm, which is known to have some of the highest standards of animal welfare in BC, to show the public what the animal farming industry is all about. 60 of the activists, armed with cameras and video streaming, crossed the property lines and 48 entered one of the barns to show to the world what lay inside the windowless factory farm that would never otherwise offer a public tour. Amy is on the show today to tell us about the latest developments of this saga, in which justice for the animals still has not been served. She and her three fellow activists made their first appearance in court last Thursday, September the 3rd. Hello, Amy, and welcome back to the Animal Voices Show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. 
Well, we last spoke to you on the show just over a year ago. New video footage showing criminal abuse of the pigs at the Excelsior Hog Farm with the faces of the farmers and the vet had just been submitted to the SPCA at that time, which the SPCA had said that they could use in their investigation if the investigator gave up their name, as far as I understand. It was quiet after that from the BCSPCA, and we never heard of any actions for criminal animal abuse against Excelsior in the many months after. In the meantime, you were the only person charged by the Abbotsford police for breaking enter, trespass, and mischief of all the 48 activists who were arrested the day of the Meet the Victims action. Your first scheduled court date was set for July 2019, but then kept getting postponed and delayed while an extensive investigation was uh, apparently being done. This investigation was not against Excelsior, but it was against you and the other animal advocates who were trying to help animals that day. It was publicly announced at the beginning of August 2020, last month, that criminal charges were being laid against an additional three animal advocates who were also part of exposing the dirty truths of the Excelsior your hog farm and they are Nick Schaefer, Roy Sassano and Jeff Regeer. The four of you had your first appearance at the Abbotsford Provincial Court last Thursday, September the 3rd for exposing criminal animal cruelty. We are calling this the Pig Trial 3 in reference to two previous court trials in Canada that also had to do with challenging our ineffective animal protection laws which all coincidentally happened to do with pigs as well. Can you please, for our listeners, give us a recap of what was discovered at the Excelsior Hog Farm last year? And what does this trial mean for you, Nick, Roy, and Jeff as a means to keep bringing these issues to the forefront of public awareness until justice for these animals is served? Mm -hmm. So at Excelsior Hog Farm, it was documented row upon row of pregnant pigs and mother pigs were found crammed inside metal cages the size of their own bodies. They're unable to even turn around or move for months on end. There were piles of piglets who were left to endure slow, awful deaths. So many pigs were severely neglected. Some were frothing at the mouth, cripples, left to suffer and die from sickness and injuries. Videos taken from inside Excelsior show crowded pens full of thousands of pigs suffering from hernias, bloody lacerations, and golf ball-sized growths. Some couldn't even walk, so they languished and slowly died on a filthy concrete floor. Dead pigs were found rotting in pens with other live pigs who were eating their dead bodies, and others had been thrown into garbage bins. And on top of the standard legal animal abuse, Excelsior Hog Farm has also been documented committing criminal animal cruelty, such as electric prodding the faces of pigs, repeatedly hitting and kicking these animals, cutting off the tails and testicles of screaming piglets with no pain relief, and so much more. Yet Excelsior Hog Farm is regarded by the industry as one of the best farms in Canada. Excelsior is quote-unquote local family-run farm, owned and operated by a board member of the BC Pork Producers Association. So within the realm of animal agriculture, it really doesn't get better than Excelsior. And as far as our trial goes and what we hope to achieve, we hope that our case really sheds light onto this horrific industry and encourages everyone to stop eating animals. And ultimately, we really hope to prompt much-needed legal change for animals. Thank you for that answer. It's it's lofty goals. It's large goals. But we are in the year 2020 now. <laughs> We're in a pandemic. It's time, right? It's time to make these changes happen. It sure is.
I want to talk about the BCSPCA's role in this whole matter. As I mentioned earlier, it seems like things had gone silent after the second round of undercover video footage that was sent to the BCSPCA to pursue criminal charges against the farm for what depicted animal abuse that goes against the industry's own code of practice. I think most citizens are still actually unaware of the events that took place in the last year and a half of this saga where you and your comrades did whatever possible to bring this to the BCSPCA to protect animals. Their tagline states that they speak up for animals and that the mission of the British Columbia Society for Prevention to Cruelty to Animals is to protect and enhance the quality of life for domestic, farm, and wild animals in BC. Keeping that all in mind, can you share with us what they have done with all of this extensive evidence provided to protect these farmed animals from cruelty? Yeah, it has been a saga indeed. The BCSPCA has received an extensive amount of video footage from an anonymous whistleblower. And that evidence was enough for the BCSPCA to recognize that there were various code violations and it prompted an investigation. That being said, they gave Excelsior Hog Farm a week's notice before investigating, obviously giving them time to clean up their act. And from what we can see and we understand, the one investigation that did take place at Excelsior was incredibly underwhelming. The BCSPCA later said that they're unable to pursue any charges against Excelsior, given that they didn't know who actually took the video footage. So at that point, a whistleblower did step forward to verify their information, and the SPCA took it upon themselves to immediately send that person's information over to the police and close the Excelsior file. And there was no warrant from the police to justify this. And turning in a whistleblower, especially in this instance, actually goes against the SPCA's own policy regarding whistleblowers. And the SPCA is now claiming that Crown Counsel deemed the Excelsior footage as inadmissible in court, given that it was taken illegally. However, when we spoke to the Crown Counselor that the SPCA is saying made this claim, that person knew nothing at the time about this case and has not seen any footage from within Excelsior Hog Farm. Uh, We also know from past animal cruelty cases that illegally obtained footage has been admissible as evidence in court. So this is all rather confusing and convoluted. Yeah, there's a lot going on here on the change.org petition that is up to call upon the BCSPCA to charge the animal abusers (laughs) instead of those who are trying to protect the animals. There's a lot of information, a lot of screen captures there of letters that were written back and forth. There was one interesting letter that was written to the whistleblower to answer their questions of the BCSPCA that was dated August the 27th, so actually just about a week ago or so, and that had some interesting answers in it as well. It's like peeling layers from an onion. It seems like they really don't want to answer these questions, but then sometimes they do. So it's like you have to be your own investigator to really figure out what is what. And yeah, I've done a lot of reading throughout this, but to keep it succinct for our listeners, what basically happened is the whistleblower has been turned over to the police and the BC SPCA is recommending that the attorney general is the one that needs to answer any further questions. I feel like they're avoiding the whole point of what you and your comrades were trying to do. You're trying to bring out these animal abusers to 
to get what they deserve to be accountable. And who's supposed to do that? None other than the BCSPCA. They have the role in BC to protect animals and it hasn't been happening. It's quite shocking. In one of the correspondences, and this is from CEO of the BCSPCA, Craig Daniel, he says that because the the video footage was obtained illegally, like knowing that I think he already knew that it was because this is second video footage that had mm-hmm. additional video footage that had been sent showing the criminal action, as you had already mentioned, that there were like there were several criminal actions taking place. You can see the faces of the farmers. You can see the face of the vet veterinarian that works there smoking in in the pig stalls. And and the CEO says that he cannot tolerate illegal actions meaning the people who set up the undercover cameras. I couldn't believe that. And he said, yes, well, this is very disturbing. This is all very disturbing. However, we cannot tolerate illegal actions. Well, what about the illegal actions of the farmers and the people who are supposedly tending to these animals and who are prodding them in Mm -hmm. the face and, and hitting them and and pulling out their testicles with no analgesic. How about that? I just don't understand why they don't see the larger process here. And I'm wondering if maybe you can shed some light about the culture of the BCSPCA as far as you know, or you can discern. By the way, there's over 33,000 signatures at this point to call upon the BCSPCA to not quit and lay charges against the animal abusers. And there's a thoughtful point on the petition. It says, if the BCSPCA won't fight with all they can for animals, who clearly experienced abuse, why are they in this fight at all? What are your thoughts on that? Well, you've hit the nail on the head. The BCSPCA is still deflecting responsibility. And you're right, the language used in that letter from Craig Daniels was really quite telling. And it's clear that the system in place to protect animals is failing them in the worst possible way. The BCSPCA is the only organization who has the authority to press animal cruelty charges like this. So our hands are tied unless the SPCA is willing to work with activists. And yeah, several instances of clear criminal animal abuse and neglect have taken place at Excelsior, yet the people who are being charged are those who expose the the abuse. It's absurd. The BCSPCA has been caught in this whirlwind of lies and a failure to do their job, which has led us to where we are now. And I really hope that everything will come to light within our court case. But it's just so baffling to me that even if the SPCA can truly not recommend charges, which I'm still not convinced of at this point, but why are they not pursuing any avenue of reprimanding Excelsior? It's such an injustice to these animals. And no one wants to give us a straight answer to truly clarify what's going on here. They say that Crown Counsel told the BCSPCA that the evidence was inadmissible in court. However, they won't tell us if they actually submitted the video evidence to Crown. Apparently, an off-the-record conversation took place between Crown and the SPCA that determined this file would be closed, but they won't give us details on that conversation. So now the BCSPCA is not wanting people contacting them anymore, so they're passing the buck off to the attorney general's office. Yeah. So now we're just asking the attorney general, like who is the crown counselor that spoke to the SPCA and what were the details around that discussion? And why is this evidence suddenly deemed inadmissible? And how can evidence be determined as inadmissible without them actually even seeing the footage? Exactly. And all what you said is what I garnered from all those communications as well from the BCSPCA. 
You are listening to Animal Voices on Vancouver's Co-op Radio, 100.5 FM CFRO, 100% listener-sponsored radio, broadcasting live from the east side on unceded Coast Salish territories. Just for our listeners who might not be familiar with what Crown Council is and how that all works, because I wasn't familiar, I really wanted to be able to understand all this. So Crown Council represents the community as a whole, and they're independent officers of the court and are protected from outside influence by the Crown Council Act. The courts have described the role of Crown Council in Canada as a quasi-judicial function and matter of public duty. And the first duty of the Crown Council is to ensure the prosecution process is fair to all, evidence is presented presented thoroughly and accurately, and the independence and integrity of the justice process is maintained. Their duty as professionals is to evaluate and present evidence to the court in a vigorous manner, and they ensure that justice is done in a fair, impartial, efficient, and respectful manner. So it would seem that if this evidence was brought forward, there might be a chance for the animals there. Also, there's two criteria for Crown Counsel to start a prosecution. First of all, number one is whether there is a substantial likelihood of conviction, and if so, number two, whether the public interest requires a prosecution. Do you believe that this case fulfills those two criteria? (laughs) Yeah, it's rather interesting. And as I think you said earlier, like this is an industry that has no accountability or transparency, and this has just become so evidently clear And we are really wanting to hold the industry and the BCSPCA and, you know, Crown, if they're a part of this or the Abbotsford police, we want to hold them all accountable. There are very few laws in place that actually exist for farmed animals, but even those very inadequate laws are not being enforced. This case has proven that the industry can abuse animals with impunity and something seriously needs to change. Yeah, this case, I I think maybe some people are scared that this case is going to really explode and it's going to bring up all these aspects of the law that have never been challenged before. It's a it's a precedent setting case, the case against you and the three others. As for a case against Excelsior, they're avoiding it. So I, as a member of the public, it's in my public interest and I require prosecution. <laughs> and so do over 33,000 other people. So maybe that petition mm-hmm. will change their minds and that petition is growing and growing every day. Now, interestingly, it turns out that the BCSPCA has ties to the Excelsior Hog Farm through an event called Rib Fest. I know you know a lot about <laughs> this. So can you tell us about this, please? Yeah, that's correct. So Just for a little bit of backstory, Ribfest is a national traveling festival that glorifies the consumption of pig's ribs. So each summer, Ribfest goes city to city and essentially holds a massive animal barbecue. And last year, we found out that many of the Ribfest vendors get their pig's ribs from Excelsior Hawk Farm. And in fact, the slaughterhouse that Excelsior sends their pigs to sponsors some of these Ribfest events in B.C., So many of the pigs that were documented in that footage and during Meet the Victims, those exact pigs were eaten last summer at Ribfest. And the SPCA receives donations from Ribfest each year, which is disgusting, but quite unsurprising at this point. The SPCA is not and has never been an organization to help protect and liberate farmed animals or fight for their rights. And this is just such a clear example of that. Do you think they realize this gross conflict of interest? Um, 
I think they're starting to now. I know on Instagram, for instance, if you scroll through their feed, it's all domestic animals, the quote unquote pets. You see lots of cats and dogs and bunnies and hamsters. And today was the first time in a very long time that they posted a rooster. So an animal that's deemed as a farmed animal. And I think they're starting to recognize the public outcry and realize that although they say that they're fighting for farmed animals, they're really not. And they're failing them in the worst possible way. And there are lots of organizations like this that are speciesist. And that really needs to change. Yeah, I was really surprised in that letter from BCSPCA CEO Craig Daniel, where he was addressing each of the whistleblowers' questions, which was great. He was responding to them all. Some of the responses weren't weren't that good. They were sort of evasive. And at the mm-hmm. end, he says, basically what he says is, we don't support the illegal actions of the activists or the undercover investigations, which mm-hmm. I would have thought they would have appreciated because they didn't have to pay to have all that done, right? It's their job and they didn't do it. It was handed over to them. It's unfortunate that that's the way our law and our society is working. But he acknowledged the work that they should be doing to improve the welfare standards of farmed animals and said that they are already doing it. I kind of laughed at that. No, they are not. I don't know. Maybe maybe someone there sits on some committee to enlarging the, the cages of gestation crates, and that's it. I don't know. I don't see that they're doing anything. It's unbelievable, because if we swap out those pigs for puppies, they would not be speaking about them like that. Right. They would want to liberate all of those dogs, but considered we're talking about pigs here it's completely acceptable that they're being electric prodded in the face and that they're confined in metal cages the size of their bodies it's it's so so absurd and I really hope that this court case will expose Mm -hmm. that and will really prompt change with the SPCA and hopefully legal change for animals because my gosh does it need to happen do you think that public pressure and the the high profile of this case can do that i mean and you speak about this is the part where civil disobedience is the only choice as has been the theme sort of Mm -hmm. ongoing hearing i wonder if you can speak on that as well i think this case has a huge huge chance of generating positive change for animals positive legal change for animals we have never had the industry and the spca sort of backed into a corner like this before this has never happened So I think a lot is coming to light and it's being very publicized because of this case, which I think is an excellent opportunity. And our legal and political systems really need to be challenged when it comes to the unnecessary and unjustified use and abuse of animals. Whenever a law violates someone's rights and deprives them of their lives, then civil disobedience is necessary. It's a must. And um, it's allowing us you know, like situations like need the victims. It's allowed us to generate negotiation power and create public exposure. And it really allows us, like now with this court case, to bring these issues to the forefront and prompt change. And we need to continue to create problems that won't go away until the issues of animal exploitation and slaughter are addressed. And I often say that as activists, our goal is not to get arrested. Our goal is animal liberation. But if getting arrested will achieve that goal, then we must do what's necessary. Right. And the complacency must be stopped. And there's the only way to do that is to basically rile things up and say, no, this isn't right. And people need to be made accountable. So yeah, so it just again, it's just mind blowing. And I think non animal activists, but people who are just regular people, they care about animals. I think that they can even see the ridiculousness in 
the whole point that all this taxpayers' money is going to be spent on this court trial that is against people who were trying to help those animals and do right by them. Why do you think mm -hmm. taxpayers' dollars are being wasted on this trial instead of being used towards actually criminally charging those who committed criminal offenses of abhorrent animal abuse towards thousands and thousands of animals and most likely continue to today? Yeah, I mean, animal agriculture, it's an industry that relies on secrecy, and we're threatening that. And it's also an industry that has a lot of money and a lot of power, and it's a corrupt system. Um, but ultimately, this, this is such a gross misuse of police and court resources. It's disgusting, mm -hmm. especially in Abbotsford, which is such a high crime area. It's ridiculous how extensive of, of an investigation they've conducted on us in this case. And for what? To criminalize people for exposing a crime? Right. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, and then it also should be noted too that the city of Abbotsford is actually a, a big farming city and... I remember the mayor there said that it was in his top priority to have to have you charged and convicted and to have the animal activists pay for trespassing that day on um, on April the 28th last year because his constituents yeah. want that. And if you remember, there were uh, quite a lot of neighbors gathered around that day who support the farm and support the farmers. And, you know, I don't have anything against people, but... It's it's mind blowing when I see I see a culture like this. That's all I can say. There was so much to that day, and part of it was the supporters for the farm there because they're all farmers themselves. But I will move on. I want to talk about Bill One Fifty Six a bit in Ontario. It's now in place mm -hmm. as of this week, and ag gag laws are coming forth as was already swiftly done last fall in Alberta with the implementation of Bill 27 after the event called Liberation Lockdown took place in Canada, similar to Meet the Victims. That took place in southern Alberta in August 2019, and then they so very quickly created that bill and implemented it into place that basically would make occupying a farm, as was done last year at Meet the Victims, it would make that completely illegal. So what are your thoughts mm -hmm. about these ag-gag laws and how they could affect your case or protection against extreme violence towards animals in the mm -hmm. future? Yeah, these ag-gag laws, um, I mean, really, they're they're about one thing and one thing only, and that's concealing animal cruelty. The animal agriculture industry, as I said earlier, it relies on secrecy. They know that if people saw the reality of what truly happens to animals in farms, in transport, and in slaughterhouses, that people would no longer want to support this industry. And ag-gag laws will make it illegal for the general public and even employees to film and report animal abuse. And it increases the penalties for citizens to, who attempt to rescue animals from harm and implementing higher charges for those who trespass onto farm properties. And we're talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines or years in jail. And this is for simply entering a business and taking out your phone and hitting record. These ag gag laws are one of the biggest threats to animals in Canada right now. And not only are animals being silenced, as they always have in agriculture, but now so are their advocates. But I will say that thankfully, we do have a national animal law organization, Animal Justice, who is working really, really hard to fight these ag gag laws. And I just hope that they're successful at that. 
Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. We support animal justice. They do great work. So you, Nick, Jeff, and Roy, you all had your first court appearance last Thursday. So what happens now? Yeah, so Thursday was pretty basic, and now we're due to appear back on November 2nd. And at that point, we should have a bit more details on the direction of our case and what to expect next. And I think at that point, our trial date will be set. We'll definitely be following this and keeping everyone informed. Now, hopefully we've gained supporters during this radio interview because it really gives you a chance to explain what is happening. You're not going to be finding out this information from, you know, the two minute clips or very short news stories that have been done. And this was covered last week by the mainstream media. Animal Voices was there as well. And we did a live stream video of everything that happened outside in the court rally. If people want to take a look at that at our Facebook page on Animal Voices Vancouver. But finally, there's a lot of things that our listeners can do at this point to help your case and to seek justice for the animals. And I'm wondering if you can go through some of those, please. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to say thank you so much, Animal Voices, for all of your support and for allowing us on this platform to speak about this. And for any listeners, there's so much that you could do to help, even just from the comfort of your home on your phone. You could sign our BCSPCA petition. And if you are someone who supports the SPCA financially, you can consider withdrawing your donations and instead sending those funds to a local animal sanctuary instead. If you could contact the Attorney General and inquire about the Excelsior case and just what, what is going on and why charges aren't being laid for them. And if people are in the financial position to help, we also have a GoFundMe set up for our legal fees, and that's called Pig Trial 3. Right. And just for information about what to ask the Attorney General, that's all in the petition that will be posted. So any last words that you would like to leave our listeners with and just the people everywhere, the public who are perhaps now more aware of what this case is actually about and and what you're here for along with your three comrades? Yeah, so I think something that's really important to consider is a lot of people are very, very outraged at Excelsior Hawk Farm and rightfully so. There's been horrific footage taken from that farm. And likely there's still horrific things happening to those pigs right this second. We know all, obviously the legal cruelty that's taking place, it's still happening every single day. But one thing that's very important to consider is that this is the best of the best. We are not exposing some terrible, terrible farm that's way worse than the rest. Excelsior Hog Farm is likely one of the best hog farms in all of Canada, if not the world. So if this is something that has made you really upset and it's not something that you support, then perhaps consider not supporting animal agriculture as a whole, not just boycotting this one farm, because this is truly the best representation of the industry. Thank you, Amy Sereno, for coming on the show today to speak about the latest developments in the Abbotsford Pig Trial 3, in which you and three other fellow animal activists have been laid with criminal charges for your roles in exposing violent and criminal animal abuse towards thousands of pigs at the Excelsior Hog Farm last year, while the farm itself has not been reprimanded at all. To learn more about this case and the actions that took place last year in exposing this typical factory farm, you can go to our website animalvoices.org and search Meet the Victims there for the past two shows where we did some extensive coverage on May 3rd and August 9th of 2019. I also invite you over to our Facebook page at Animal Voices Vancouver to watch the live stream videos that we did inside the pig farm that day 
last year on April the 28th, you can see exactly what happened and what was seen in there. And those videos don't lie. They tell the truth. It was right in there. And there's also some live stream videos from the court rally last week on our Facebook page as well. You can also find the change.org petition both on our website and on our Facebook page, Animal Voices Vancouver. Thank you for these important updates today, Amy, and best wishes to you, Jeff, Roy, and Nick in the fight for justice for animals. Thank you so much. And for the news this week, Bill 156, or the Food Supply Protection Act, has been put into force this week. Essentially, this act disallows protesters from entering a property Basically, the bill is putting the supply chain into a higher level than farm animals themselves. There's a maximum fine for a first offense of about $15,000, and repeat offenders might get about $25,000 in fines just for filming something or disallowing a truck from moving livestock or animals to their imminent death. It is also disallowing people from going into property without permission or people who are working at a property with the intent of filming something for whistleblowing actions. Yeah, so we were just talking about this in our interview with Amy. Didn't have time to get into what Bill 156 was because it's actually to target the Animal Save movement, which we've had members of the Animal Save movement featured on the show quite a lot in the last several years, including the Animal Save movement founder Anita Crines, who started this all. And she was, several years ago, she was arrested for feeding water to the very thirsty pigs who are coming on the transport trucks. And I've attended these pig vigils before as well in LA, Los Angeles. And mm. I can tell you, like those pigs are, they've gone, they've gone many, many hours. They've gone days like across the country in transport where they're not given any food or water in their last, in their last days. And in Los Angeles, especially Southern California and in Toronto, like it can get really, really hot. They're just, yeah. they're just so thirsty. And just to show them this little bit of of love and compassion during their last hours, that's no longer going to be allowed at all. So this bill actually effectively is an ag-gag bill to to stop these activists, just these animal advocates from bearing witness and for even being in that area where the trucks are coming around. And of course, we know that just this past June, longtime activist Regan Russell was killed after being hit by a transport truck full of pigs outside of a Burlington processing plant. Again, this is the Toronto Pig Save. And, you know, there was actual video taken of that. And from I won't I won't say anything definitively on the air here, but it's been said that that driver knew what he was doing, right? And he was charged with reckless driving, I think, officially. Yeah, he wasn't charged with manslaughter, which you would think would be the appropriate charge because he knowingly ran into someone. Anyways, it's taking rights away from people who are trying to expose the animal abuse industry. And yeah. there's Bill 27 as well that was passed in Alberta just a year ago after another action that was very similar to meet the victims that we had in Abbotsford. It was at a turkey factory farm in southern Alberta last year. And like I said, it was very similar. The activists occupied the barn for hours and hours and exposed to the world what's happening to those animals in there. And it was so quick. This happened in August and like a week later or something, the people who are in charge of the government in Alberta, they put up this bill to make that illegal. So, 
you know, animal activists and advocates' rights to basically expose this industry to the public. They're being shot down. And in um, in the interview, I asked Amy what she, you know, what she thought of bills like this being put into effect. That it's horrible, I think, because how are the animals ever going to have their voice heard if they're being extinguished by the lawmakers? And just, yeah, I mean, the idea that factory farms are trying to restrict access to this information actively is proving they have something to hide. And I mean, when we're aware of what that what they're doing is atrocious, it's more important for us to be more transparent. It's more important for people mm-hmm. to make it clear that these animals don't need to die like this rather than hiding it. And I think it shows the government's priorities being the idea that animals are food and the production of food is more important than our, us as human beings being able to hear what's happening to the so-called food, these, right. these people. The animal agriculture industry is is completely tied up with our government, right? So we've done shows on that before. But just commodifying animals, that's just awful. <laughs> so we have a couple minutes left, and I know you have another news story, a happier one for us. Yes, this is very interesting. There was an orca that was recently born, and this birth is particularly notable because just last, in 2018, the mother of this orca was seen doing what was called a tour of grief. For 17 days, she carried her dead child over 1,600 kilometers across the Pacific Ocean in mourning. And after all this time, she's finally given birth to a healthy calf. And I think the entire community is is really celebrating this new life. There's a lot of mortality in orca population. So this calf's birth is a really good sign for their population. A happy story to end our show with. (laughs) And now for the events this week. There will be a panel discussion on September 13th regarding raising a vegan child. World Vegan Vision is hosting this panel for parents to discuss what it's been like raising their children vegan. Dr. Nailish Jariwala, a pediatrician, will provide professional opinions as needed as well. So find that event on Facebook. Additionally, there is an online event, Vegan Ethiopian Cooking, and on the 12th, and make vegan and free holadas on the 15th. There'll be court support for Crab Park arrestees on the 10th, 11th, 15th, 16th, and 21st this month, September 2020. Listen to our last show to hear more about Crab Park and what they're trying to do for the wetlands. Finally, there are job postings at Kind Cafe and the Juice Truck, two vegan jobs that are available for you right now in a time where it's kind of hard to find a job. I saw that. Actually, Kind Cafe (laughs) says they're hiring for all positions. So there's more than a couple jobs there. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Kind Cafe, Zero Waste, Vegan Cafe. And if you have any animal-friendly events that you would like to have announced on the show, you can post them on our Facebook page, Animal Voices Vancouver, or just send us an email at animalvoicesradio at gmail.com. You've been listening to the Animal Voices Radio Show on 100.5 FM Co-op Radio in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Please join us for next week's show on Friday, September the 14th, which will feature an interview with author, animal advocate, former farrier, 
and horse specialist Ren Hurst, who will speak about the emotional and psychological harm of riding horses. This is a topic we have never covered before, and I am looking forward to learning more from this show. With regards to our feature interview today with criminally charged animal advocate Amy Serrano, if her words and her story inspired you to take action for animals, you can do that. There is a change.org petition, as we mentioned previously, and it now has over 32,000 signatures as of today, and the goal is to get it to 35,000. So this petition, if you sign it, it just takes a minute, it calls upon the BCSPCA to charge the animal abusers at the Excelsior Hog Farm, since nothing at all has been done to address the legal and illegal violence and animal cruelty committed against the thousands of animals inside the hog farm. Also at the court rally and court appearance last week at the Abbotsford Courthouse, Amy Serrano gave a really good media statement outside there and we have a video of that on our Facebook page if you're interested in seeing that. It's also on our YouTube which you can find by just going to Animal Voices Radio. That's our YouTube channel's name. And also we have two live stream Facebook videos of the court rally last week. So if you missed it, if you weren't able to be there because it was limited for COVID reasons, you can just check out our videos and see what happened on our Facebook page, Animal Voices Vancouver. I also want to reiterate that if this is your first time perhaps hearing about this court case and the events that led up to this in the last 17 months, which first started with the Meet the Victims action at the Excelsior Hog Farm on April the 28th, 2019, that is when 200 animal advocates came to the farm and 60 went on the property 48 went into one of the barns and got all kinds of raw, real-life, true video footage and a lot of photographs as well as to what was happening inside there. So we actually have covered this issue on the show two times before. The first time was right after the action took place. So that's on our May 3rd show if you're interested in listening to the podcast. And then we also did an interview with Amy following that after the additional video footage had been released to the BCSPCA and that was on August 9th. You can find those podcasts on our website at animalvoices.org. One more thing I'll mention is that we have a really good, very authentic seven-part video live stream on Facebook of the Meet the Victims action that I personally took myself. So you can take a look at it and you can decide for yourself what you think about the way that the thousands of animals are treated at this farm, which is regarded as a farm with one of the highest welfare standards in BC. We here at Animal Voices modestly ask you to keep connected with us online. Our past shows can be listened to on our website at animalvoices.org. Our past podcasts are also available on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. You can join our Facebook page and join us on Instagram, both at Animal Voices Vancouver. 
Yesterday would have been the 29th birthday of our former producer and co-host, Jenny Rempel, who took her life just over four years ago. And I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge and remember her, for she was a very special person who was dedicated to using her many technical and artistic skills in helping animals and moving forth the vegan movement. Jenny, you are missed. To close the show today, we are playing one of Jenny's songs by her band, Hello Harmless. This song is called Being Alive and sung by Jenny. This song exemplifies the values that she lived by. Stay tuned next for Radio EcoShock with Alex Smith. Thank you so much for listening to Animal Voices today. Be safe and remember to be kind to the animals. you know